It does. And we talk about this a lot in my industry too, because, you know, we catch a lot of people with psychiatric conditions, they have mental health conditions, and, and they're in a program to try to help them to reintegrate back into the community. So in a sense, they're under a microscope uh, by the nature of what we do. But we always try to encourage our staff to, you know, don't just notice that this person has poor coping skills. Also note when they're doing well. Also note that, yeah, they may have had an anger outburst you know, last week, but, but last month they had like the six per week. And so they're doing much better. You know, you got, you really, we can't just qualify the, the negative. We also have to qualify the positive. Also something to think about that too, is like with children, you know, your children, it's very, very important to not just, you know, focus on disciplining them when they have, when they're doing something wrong, but also, you know, pushing them and saying you're proud of them and things along that line when they're doing something great or doing something well. Hey, thank you for checking into this edition of the Cerebral Entertainment Podcast. Before we get started, I wanted to remind you all to go check out truenutrition.com for all of your nutrition and supplement needs, including protein powders, whole food vitamins, supplements for energy and endurance, and the list goes on and on and on and on. When you get finished shopping and go to check out, be sure to use the code CEPN for a 5% discount on your total order. Also, don't forget to do us that huge favor by subscribing to the Cerebral Entertainment Podcast Network, wherever you stream your podcast, including YouTube for video content and TikTok for those riveting clips, so that you can keep the variety coming straight to your ear holes with the automaticity. Now, for this episode, Colt and I bring you a cerebral chat that we titled Definitive Thinking. During our discussion, you will hear us discuss Zoom discussions versus live discussions. That's a lot of discussions there. How quickly technology can leave us behind attending YouTube University, in other words, watching YouTube, to learn to fix just about anything and everything on the planet, how definitive thinking limits the potential of the mind, and much more. Ladies and gentlemen, it is time to keep those big, beautiful brains of yours warm again. So, uh, yeah, let's do this. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to yet another riveting edition of the Cerebral Entertainment Podcast. I am James, and right now I'm looking at a screen, and there within lies my good friend, Colt Mercado. How you doing, sir? Don't lie. You're liking this now, right? This, the, what do you the, mean? The Zoom, the Zoom instead of being in studio. I mean, there's, there's, there's definitely a difference. You can definitely tell there's a difference. But mm-hmm. I like, I, I'm liking this Zoom thing. I'm liking being able to, able to pull up stuff to show people and all that kind of stuff. Okay, so let's talk about that for a second because I'm glad you brought that up. Mm-hmm. I always like to do pros and cons. Yeah. So, what are your pros and cons for Zoom? Well, let's just do a contrast. Zoom contrasted with being live in the studio together. I mean, it's a different dynamic and it's not just like when, when it's us, it's, you know, interviews and stuff like that too. It's just, a, it's a different dynamic when you're in room with somebody than it is over a screen, which is weird, I guess. Right. Because I mean, it's technically like you're still right here, yeah. but, um, I don't know. I mean, I guess pro as far as pros go, uh, you don't have to leave your house to come here. That's, okay, that's probably true. a pro on your side. Yeah. Um, pro is being able to pull up documents and things like that for our guests to see. Yes. Uh, cons. Like I said, the dynamic of not being, you know, here together with each other. Mm-hmm. 
Um, maybe sound quality a little bit just because they're, you know, the zoom, it, it, you know, is an issue a little bit. If you ever have any in and out with the internet, that's a thing. And just, right. you know, just a matter of just not being together makes the audio quality a little different. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's a pretty good contrast. Yeah. And I agree with everything you just said. Uh, There is something I was actually talking about this. I was thinking about meetings in general, like for work, uh, Zoom versus in person. But I was also talking with someone just the other day. She had asked me about what I thought about uh, virtual counseling versus, you know, in-person counseling. Mm -hmm. And there's a certain dynamic that's that's missing when you're on virtual. Right. And I was talking about a lot of the body movement, the, you know, the, the signals that you give, the way that I can lean in and, and really like kind of uh, show you how imperative what I am saying is just by my, my posture, you yeah. know, and all my body language. And you miss a lot of that when you're not in person. I also think you know? that it's not it's not as bad if you have two people that know each other really well, like me and you. The dynamic isn't near as different on zoom versus being in studio as it would be as if like it's us doing an interview with somebody over zoom. Then I think those, those things come into play quite a bit. Very true. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. The lag is definitely something that we have to, you know, contend with sometimes uh, on zoom. And, uh, but there are some, some pros too, you know, uh, the camera angles that zoom does for us. Yeah. We don't have a young, we don't have a young Jamie <laughs> to like switch back from one of us to the other. Yeah. And, and so I really like that aspect of, of using zoom, you know, and it's, it's very convenient and I, it just kind of, it does the camera work for you. I think it's the biggest thing for me mm-hmm. is why, why I like it. And, and also there is a little bit of on, on back on the the con side there's a little bit more of a difficulty in timing i guess this goes with the dynamic of the conversation that we've already mentioned but there's a little bit of a timing that that is not it's not so in sync yeah and it works it, wor- it, it worries me too sometimes because i can tell there's a little bit more of a like um a little bit more of a lag between you talking back to me and i think oh crap did my internet stop <laughs> because you can, I can, t- but I can tell that it's just you waiting, you know, right. to, to, to jump in. And so yeah, there, there's that for sure, but definitely. Yeah. Yeah. But overall I, I like the zoom and I think it's, it's kind of fun to switch it up too. Yeah. You know, to be doing this for a while and kind of just get our rhythm with it and mm-hmm. it's different. It's fresh for us. And I, once again, I just love the way that zoom does the camera work for us. It's just interesting to me. Do you think, what do you think about, uh, so I have, I have an instance here about a doctor, uh, you know, doctors can do a lot of zoom visits now too. Like they have these like telehealth type deals and stuff where a lot of times you don't even have to go to urgent care and then doctors can actually prescribe you, you know, medicine and things like that. And, uh, you know, all those kinds of things by just having a conversation with them and, you know, showing like a picture of your throat, if you have strep throat or something like that, a lot of times they can just do that. Do you think doctors like that? Or do you think they think they'd rather you be in, you know, in the office with them? I would think in situations like that, like it sucks that you can't do the in-person thing with people because that's kind of what you, why you became a doctor or a nurse probably. However, 
it's taking a lot of the risk out of it, right? On the doctor or nurse getting strep throat because the person there already had it or something like that, right? I would think so. I, I think in my opinion, and of course it would be best to ask a doctor what he or she actually thinks, but True. just from, from my perspective though, I would think it would be more beneficial for the doctor than the patient. Yeah. Because there, there is not so much for me and you in these conversations because you're really used to doing zoom uh, podcast and it's no, like I'm no spring chicken myself, but for a lot of intents and purposes, the virtual, there's a coldness to it, you yeah. know, and I'm talking about from everything. I, I, I was at a virtual conference the other day with Wiley psychology, you know, it was this big conference and they had some big name speakers and it was virtual. It was really cool because I could watch the conference and listen to it as well. And still like do other little things, check my email and things like that as I'm, as I'm doing that. Right. But at the same time, there's a, there's a coldness to it you know, on the conference, like in that setting really quickly. One of my favorite, one of the favorite, aspects of the conference for me is not just the speakers it's all the other people i get to see like every time i go to a conference in the state somewhere i see these people a lot of them i don't see unless i'm at a conference and so it's a little bit of a reunion yeah but you're also it's also kind of that camaraderie that socializing that kind of comes into play uh counseling that to me you know there's also it's it's not i mean it's, it's a science you know it's an art form to some degree and and you can polish that art form to do it virtually. And I think really be effective. I do think virtual counseling is effective. I would assume that virtual doctor's checkups, you know, with your primary could be very effective as well, especially if you're too sick to get out of the house. Right. Right. It's definitely better than nothing. And that's my usual tagline, but you, there, there's something about being in person with someone. And I also think in general, not necessarily for me, because I think for a lot of purposes, I might like the virtual doctor visit more than anything. If I were seeing a counselor, I'd rather be seeing the counselor, but I don't like going to doctor's offices. I never have. Right. It, it kind of takes the anxiety out of it a little bit. Right. And that was part right. of, that was part of why I brought this up because, uh, Friday I was supposed to have a, a doctor's appointment with a doctor up in St. Louis. Well, I knew that this wasn't going to be like a, like a physical appointment. Like they weren't going to have to like do anything to me or anything like that. It was probably just going to end up being like a 10 minute conversation. And then I was going to be out the door and I was just thinking in my head, do I really need to drive all the way to St. Louis to have a 10 minute conversation with a doctor to come back home? It's like, I really don't want to do it. So I called up there and they're like, well, we can probably just switch you to a zoom visit as long as it's not going to be a physical visit or anything. I was like, okay, cool. So it was supposed to be at three o'clock on Friday and at three 15, I'm looking up at the clock feet while I'm feeding my son and realize, well, I forgot that that doctor appointment was going to happen. So now I'm probably going to get charged a fee for missing the call. So about 3.45, I decide to call the doctor. And they're like, well, they don't have you in the system as a no-call, no-show or anything. So he's probably just behind. So he probably hasn't even got to your appointment yet. And I'm like, it's 3.45. My appointment was supposed to be at 3 o'clock. So you're telling me that if I would have logged on at 3 o'clock, I would still be sitting here waiting? And they're like, yeah. Uh, I mean, he's probably just behind like Jesus. So wow. that also tells me that I would have drove up there and sat there for over 45 minutes to get my appointment, then do a 10 minute conversation and then drive home. Right. So luckily they just rescheduled my appointment and I didn't have to worry about it, but it was, 
a fiasco. Yeah. See, I, I have no personal anecdotal experience and no stories to give on, on this experience. So in general, though, I would say that it's probably more difficult like it is for most things, considering the, the generation who is visiting the doctor or seeking counseling or whatever the case, because older people just aren't as hip with the technology. You know, you and I are kind of in the middle, especially me, um, because I am older, per se, I'm middle-aged, but I've been hip with technology for a long time. Uh, the younger people are even more hip with technology. So for them, it's just like second nature. I would imagine down the road, they wouldn't even blink an eye. They're going to be so used to virtual learning and virtual this and virtual that, that it's not even a, it's not even a question. They'll be surprised. Like what you want me to actually come to your <laughs> office? No, right. Uh-uh. No, I've got my phone right here. Why do I need mm-hmm. to, to go out of the house or, or whatever? Right. Well, so it, I, I think with, with the age of, gap, it's definitely something. Yeah. The the funniest thing that I've seen about that is that, so like with my work, um, as far as insurance goes and stuff like that, there was one time where they gave us like this big list of things that you can do through telehealth. Uh, I think it's what it's called or something like that. And uh, so basically what they want you to do is they don't want you to have to pay these, co- these uh, you know, bills for visits to the doctor if you can just go through like this telehealth thing or whatever. Well, they, they gave a list, and I think they just accidentally put one wrong on there, but they gave a list of all the things that you can do by just going through telehealth and not having to leave your house. Well, they put colonoscopy on there. And I was uh, like, um, I want to uh, see how they do that. <laughs> I'm not really sure how you show that through your phone, but... How badly uh, <laughs> do you want to see how they do that? Because I might be too interested. <laughs> This, you know, this is reminiscent to me of the smart toilet conversation we had uh, not good too point. long ago. You yeah. Know? So maybe if you've got a smart toilet, you know, he can kind of take a look and, uh, you know, you get to kill two birds with one stone. Right? Uh-huh. You, you go in to relieve yourself and you got a got a colonoscopy checkup in the meantime. <laughs> what a world we live in, man. What a, uh-huh. what a day. What a time to be alive. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. It, interesting stuff, though. The world is going more and more virtual. I just, it, which, you know, I'm kind of torn. To some degree, it's okay. But you know how I have a, a fear of technology. It's not a fear. I, I have a, a, a concern, but it's a little more than just a concern. That doesn't quite, it, it's somewhere in between fear and concern. Okay. okay? That technology is just, it's too pervasive. It, it's, we're, we're trading our privacy for convenience and, I don't know. It's just, it's a slippery slope to me that I, I just have a concern about it, you know? So the more we, the more we slide into this robotic technological age that we're, you know, leaning into at, you know, full speed, we're, we're going that direction. There's no stopping it. Maybe I'm just like that, that's showing my age that I don't know. I'm trying to like grasp onto the old ways. What about, something. what about, so I, I mean, as far as me, I don't think I've seen, a whole lot of people in our area do it, but I wouldn't consider like our area a really high technological area either. I'm sure like mm. LA or maybe even St. Louis or New York or, you know, bigger cities are probably more about it. But how often do you see people using their phone as like a payment system and stuff like that? You know, because a lot of the things, even like a schnooks or something like that, if you've got like an Apple Pay or whatever, you can just, I, I guess, swipe your phone across the thing and, it'll directly take it out of your account. 
so, I mean, have you ever done anything like that? Would you ever do anything like that? And have you seen a lot of people doing it? Okay, so I have not done it myself. I have seen some people do it. I know some, you know, I have a friend who uses his watch to pay for stuff. Uh, and I've seen, like, if you go to Starbucks, which I loathe Starbucks for the most part, but my daughter, she's almost 13, thinks that Starbucks is, you know, the bomb diggity or whatever these kids are saying nowadays. Uh, <laughs> I'm she sure likes that's it. not so, it. <laughs> I, I am certain that that's not it. But um, I, when, I, when I go to Starbucks, that, that's a trendy place, you know. So you see people who are hip on technology and they're always into the newer trends. So I've seen it like at places like that. But if I go to Schnooks or Lowe's or Menards or wherever I'm going, I don't see hardly anybody do it. Now, would I do it? Probably, probably, man, I I gave up. How does that, how does it work? Like, I mean, is it, um, is like Apple pay kind of like a, is it like a PayPal or, or something like, how do you put money into that account? Is it just like a, I I don't know, like a, like a visa card or something like that you can load money onto. Is that how Apple pay works too? I I can't sit here and pretend like I know a whole lot about it, but I have put a card on my phone. And so you can use your debit card and you put it on your, because I guess it's the chip or something. I don't know, but you take a picture of your card and and it stores it in your Apple pay. And then when you want to use it, you double click on the home screen uh, and that, that card pops up. And so I think it just reads the chip on there. And so all you can, all you got to do is show your phone. My buddy, Steve, we went to the concert the other night, Gojira fantastic show i've already talked about it but i'll say it one more time it was fantastic (laughs) but we went up to get we went up to get some drinks and it was card only which was cool because that's typically what people pay with nowadays anyway so he just sticks his watch up to like where you would put your debit card in at and it reads it and he's off to the races and so i guess he pushed the right button had the card ready it put his watch up there and that was it and i mean it, it logs all of your all your charges as well. So you can look back and see, okay, well, I spent way too much tonight. Uh I got to go home and explain to the wife why that happened. Right. She's going to be surprised. Uh, But yeah, that's it. You, you, you put whatever card you want to, I think you can put, you you can stack cards in there and decide which one you want to use. So as far as I know, I don't know that Apple has its own financial system itself where you got to get any of their cards or anything. I, I don't think that's the case. I think you just use whatever you, you have and put it on the device. Gotcha. But once again, I, I feel like I told you, I got this new computer, not too long ago, this new laptop. I didn't get anything special. I just needed something until I can get the one that I actually want, but I had to get something new because mine was, it was in bad shape. And I started working on some of the things and things are different now. You know, I, I, I like getting a computer that I keep for a long time. Mm-hmm. So I, I pay for a good one. I, I did that with my desktop. I got that back in what? Oh, seven. And if it wasn't for the operating system, not being, viable anymore it wouldn't update securities things like that uh the security update wouldn't work i think that thing would still be running because it never (laughs) did quit on me yeah and and my former laptops kind of the same way but it started really slowing down my point is though i never like upgraded the software never really you know my work laptop i've got an older operating system on that it just works fine It, it it's a it was made in 2014 and i love that thing so when i find something i like i don't necessarily need to know the newest stuff or have the newest stuff technology wise but fast forward to when i have to get something new 
I, you know, I start working with it and I mean, it's not like unrecognizable, but a lot of the, just the little things like Adobe P, PDF reader, it's like, you, I don't even think it comes with the computers anymore. You got to buy it and probably a subscription. Now everything is subscription, mm-hmm. and, but there's different PDF readers, windows itself, the office, which I got 365 because I have to have office. It uh, has its own PDF reader, but everything is just different, man. And so I'm having to learn all these little nuanced things. I couldn't tell you how to work an Apple watch because I, I don't really want one. I have really no desire whatsoever. Yeah. But it's like it's it's a thing, though. A lot of people have them and I have I'm clueless about it. And so I don't consider myself complete. You know, I, I'm not uh, like ignorant of technology, but it just goes by so fast. They update things so fast that I feel like I'm a little bit just a little bit behind the times sometimes. Yeah. You know, something interesting, I don't know if it'd be the technology thing, but it goes back to the bank, uh, bank type thing. Something that we just did not too long ago. And I had heard about it originally because I think it's called the, a- it's Acorn, I think. Have you heard that Acorn app? I don't think so. So Remind me what it is. So basically, I... they're a, it's a company or um, it's an app where when you spend money, it rolls whatever's left over to the next dollar into this account for you. And I always thought that that was a really cool idea. Well, then I found out that we can we could set that up online through our bank. So yeah, we, so yeah. so we set it up to where any you know if you spend a dollar you know a dollar and one cent on something, the extra ninety nine cents to round it up is going to go over into a savings account, which you don't really think it would add up to that much. But you know over the, over a year, and it's money that you're never going to worry about anyways. It's you know a less than a dollar every time. But, you know, if you use your cards, you know, your, your debit card a hundred times and it's almost a dollar, you know, over those hundred times, you, you know, you're almost putting a hundred dollars into back in savings that you weren't even going to worry about anyways. Yeah. Yeah. Now I do know that banks do that. Yeah. I, I've heard somebody else say, Hey, you should really do that. I was like, you know what? I really should. And I forgot about it. I didn't get around <laughs> to it. I still should though. It's, it's a great thing, but I didn't know there was a, an acorn app that did that for you. But yeah. if my bank does it anyway, I don't, I don't need an app to do it for me. True. It, it is a great way. You know, that's what all these fast food restaurants are doing nowadays with the charities. And, yeah. you know, cause if, especially if I'm spending like, you know, up to 90 cents and, and above to the next dollar, yeah, I usually say yes, especially if I recognize the charity, which, you know, some of them I don't. And I, I'm a charitable guy. I like to give, but I don't just like to give without knowing what I'm giving to, because there's a lot of shysters out there that, you know, are just going to take it and, and run with it. Yeah. And I once again, I don't like McDonald's. It, it's it's the worst fast food restaurant, in my opinion, out there. I, I just can't. I, I just don't like the food, you know, and I just I hate the their whole model of things. But. My daughter loves it. Once again, everything, the world revolves around her. <laughs> and when she wants McDonald's, I usually go ahead and round up there because it's for the, the Ronald McDonald house. Right. And that, that is a great thing. Do you know what they do? Yeah. 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 Actually, uh, like Donnie Fandango from the point, he does that, uh, radio thon every year where he does, it's like, tw- I think it's 28 hours every year. And every year they, they make more money and more money and more money. And it's, it's like a lot of money they pull out every year. Yeah. Yeah. So they actually house people up near the children's hospital in St. Louis yep. where the parents can stay while their children are, you know, getting, you know, getting worked on, right. getting healthy again. And for some, 
terminally ill kids, man, that place that that's just awesome. I mean, that's, that's a charity that, that as long as the money's going where it's supposed to, and I think it, I think they even state publicly that like a hundred percent goes to the Ronald McDonald house. There's right. no other kind of administrative cost or anything like that. Mm-hmm. You can't beat that, man. You can't beat that. So that's a, just a little bit more of a reason for me to go to McDonald's. Uh, even though I don't like the food, I do like the frappes though, but man, <laughs> I don't They're even want, I, I don't even want to see what the sugar count is in that. I, I actually I don't look. yesterday I bought and I I tried to talk myself out of doing it, but I ended up doing it anyways just because I was curious. I bought a uh, cream soda Pepsi because it was new and I hadn't seen one before. And I, I I managed to get about halfway through the bottle before I turned around turned the bottle around to see how much sugar was in it. Uh, but yeah, about sixty five grams. Or milli, milli, milligrams, I guess. What? No, it's grams, right? Yeah, it's, it's grams. grams. Yeah, about sixty-five grams. Ridi- that's, ridiculous. That's, but it was that's good. two days. But it that's was two good. days worth. Uh huh. Yeah. But you know, what do you do? It, it's. I think it's okay every once in a while. That's my policy. It's not something I do all the time. Like a lot of days, I don't get any uh, added sugar in anything that I eat. Mm-hmm. You know, and then some days I, I'll get 65 grams in one cup of whatever Mm -hmm. you know i don't don't usually get it in soda but i you know sometimes i'll get it in a frappe which that thing probably has 160 grams yeah that's what i was gonna say i don't even want to see yeah it it is what it is i don't do it very often but those are good Mm -hmm. every time though every time i get a a a headache a brain freeze every time there's something about those things Mm -hmm. where they don't just get my head neither. They also get my, like my chest. Uh-huh. I get this frozen chest, frozen head at the same time. Yeah. And for those sometimes up to like 10 seconds, dude, I was, I'm calling on death to come and save uh-huh. me. And it's tough. I get it. This They're is ridiculous. it. It's, this is the big yeah. one. We're, we're over. How, we're done. <laughs> yeah. And, and I'm like, Oh, this is how I go, but not real surprised because I do it every time I get a frappe. Fortunately, I don't drink them very often. Yeah. Um, let me read you something I found on, social media somewhere not too long ago and it says you can literally learn any skill you want for free on youtube you can become a person of value in a matter of months just a few years ago this wasn't possible if you were lucky enough to be born in this era take full advantage of it now i'd like to say that this is absolutely true now i don't think you can learn any skill like i can't go on youtube and learn how to do brain surgery but I, I know I've mentioned this on the show before. I have fixed a washing machine, which I know nothing about, mm-hmm. by going to YouTube and and I did it. And so I know you have recently also been to YouTube U and learned how to do something. So yeah, but, talk about but that. Before I get to that, answer me exactly what does that mean by a person of value? You can be a person of value. That seems like an odd statement. Well, I think they're talking about more of an economic type of value. Like you can learn a skill, a trade. You can learn how to fix washing machines. You can learn how to, you know, whittle wood. I don't know, whatever, you know, something that's going to make you some money. Gotcha. Uh, you can learn, you can learn how to fix cars on there. I've seen that. You can learn how to do plumbing. I, yeah, I've seen that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've learned how to do uh, some light carpentry work on there. You can learn how to patch a hole in the wall. You can learn how to install a ceiling fan. I mean, mm-hmm. all that stuff. It's on YouTube. It's crazy. Yeah. I can't believe how much information is out there that you can watch and say, you can almost, almost like 
specify exactly what it is you're working on. Like let's, you know, for cars, especially, I think if I'm working on a 75 Mustang, I can go online on YouTube and probably find someone working on a 75 Mustang. It's insane. But if I'm working on, don't you get mad whenever you can't find it? Like it's, it's YouTube's fault that I can't find exactly the type of washing machine that I'm looking for to work on. You know, not, not really for me because I go in with low expectations even still, <laughs> it, but it, it's almost never ceased to amaze me though. I, I can't think of a time off the top of my head when I was actually disappointed that I couldn't find something on there. So it, it's, it's pretty insane, man. Yeah. It's pretty insane. Yeah. So I, uh, I, I fixed a dryer that same way through YouTube. When we redid our house that we're in now, the majority of the things that I did in this house. And I mean, we revamped the entire house. That's taking all doors out and putting new doors in. That's putting flooring down. That's, uh, you know, taking a backsplash down around the kitchen, putting a new backsplash up, taking countertops out, putting new countertops in, all that kind of stuff. Like that was literally all YouTube. And yesterday I actually winterized my camper for the first time, which I've never done before. And I did that by YouTube also. Did you find like, I, I don't know if you found the exact camper, but did you find something similar to yours that was like, oh, I found this I, yeah, particular I, plug is right here. Well, see, that's the hard part. I found the, uh, the brand of camper, which was close enough. But the problem is with campers, so many things are in so many different spots that you can have like two campers that are pretty much identical, same brand and same year and everything, but they may have like a water pump that's in a different spot in one camper than the other. And it, it's, it gets pretty ridiculous because like you have to like to winterize a camper. You have to have to, you have to have access to your water pump. You have to have access to the water heater. You've got to be able to do this, that, and the other all throughout the camper to be able to do it. And I knew I was getting into something like I had actually had to, watch the video and then find out what parts I was going to need. And then I had to go on Amazon and order those parts, then get those parts in, then figure out exactly how to use those parts by watching the YouTube video again, and then watching the YouTube video the entire time I'm actually doing it. Wow. So does the camper come with like blueprints to tell you where all this stuff is or is it Absolutely just like this? Not. So it's like a game of hide and go seek, mm -hmm. right? hunting Easter eggs. Hey, this, I found it. Maybe let me mm -hmm. twist it and see if it leaks fluid. Yeah. So when I, um, last year we had a company winterize our camper and, uh, then we took it back and had them de-winterize it. Well, I got it home and I got it set up and then we go to try to get some water to come through it. And I can't, I can hear the water pump turn on, but I can't get any water to come through the, the lines into the sinks trying to figure it out, trying to figure it out. My wife calls them. They can't tell me what's, go what's going on. And they also can't tell me where the water pump is in the camper. They give me ideas. Was it under the sink? No. Is it under the refrigerator? No. Is it under the bed in the ca in the cabin? No. Is it under the bunk in the, the other bed? No. So finally, my last stitch effort was to look underneath the sink in the bathroom. And I actually had to unscrew the whole bottom part and pull up the bottom floor underneath the sink and found the water pump. And then all I had to do was turn a valve a half a turn and my water pump worked fine. It was because they forgot to turn that one valve and I almost had to 
hook the camper back up and take it all the way over there just for them to do that. Wow. Yeah. Luckily, I found it it at the last second. So this definitely qualifies as a first world problem. Absolutely. Most I feel like most of mine are. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I don't know if you see my post the other day, but I posted on Facebook and I said, uh, hey, Hulu, how come you haven't figured out how to make your commercials the same volume level as your shows? Because every time you watch a show, you have to crank the TV up and then the commercial comes on and it blasts your ears and you have to be, you know, you have to be on the volume button to turn it way down. But then I ended, yeah. I ended it saying, uh, this is coming from someone with first world problems. So I had, I had to acknowledge it because I also don't want other people to jump on there and be like, you understand that's a first world problem, right? Just turn your volume button down. <laughs> but I actually had more people agree with me because they understand too. Yeah. It, it's funny how, you know, it all, with all due respect to, to you and to me, because I think all of my problems are first world too. You know, there are some universal human problems, you know, emotions and, and a lot of mental health problems. Some of them are actually uh, perpetuated or even the, you can find their origins within first world problems, you know, because a lot of the anxiety that we face nowadays is actually if you were starving, it wouldn't even be an issue because you're trying to find food. You know? Right. And uh, but yeah, I think most of our problems are first world problems nowadays. And, and that's, you know, we, you and I, neither one of us come from families who had a lot of money. Right. You know, we didn't grow We didn't grow up like that. I, I grew up, you know, with, we always had food on the table. Don't get me wrong, but I'm doing much better than my parents were doing, you mm-hmm. know, when, when I was their age, but that's my thing. My too, age. But that's my thing too, is like, how did, how did they live without YouTube? I know. Like, how did they do things? Like, how do you, how do you, you know how they did it? They read books on how to do it instead of watching videos on YouTube. Whenever, whenever I moved into this house and I knew I was going to have to revamp a bunch of stuff, my uncle gave me this big book of construction and and whatever. And he said, pretty much anything you're going to need to know how to do should be in here. And I'm thinking, man, there ain't no way I'm even opening this book. And then we got to talk in it one day and I was asking him some questions. He goes, it's probably in that book. I was like, well, I guess I'm not talking to you anymore because you're just going to tell me to, re- to look back at the book and I'm not going to do that. I'm just going to look at YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> I know. And I, once again, I am a bit older than you and I can clearly remember the time before technology was what it is today. Mm-hmm. You know, clearly remember like there, I remember like four channels on the TV and you, you, you might too, but I have that perspective that our kids aren't going to have, mm-hmm. you know, they're, they're not going to understand what life was like before this technology, unless, you know, everything goes South and we, you know, lose the grid or whatever, or just lose the internet for some reason. But I, my dad has given me some books I've gotten from uh, some from his library too, when he passed away. And I remember growing up, my mom and dad had these books, like how to fix practically anything mm-hmm. or how to get stains out of anything or things like that. Because I think even further back than that, it's like my grandma and grandpa's it's like, how did they even like know how to do it? And it was all just like passed along knowledge. Uh-huh. I mean, you had to ask somebody to talk or trial and error. You had to try it and see if it works. Hmm. I got a stain on my shirt. Let's see if this lemon juice will take it out or something. I don't right. know. Nope. <laughs> nope. That made it worse and ate a hole in my shirt. I guess I better try something else. <laughs> so it, it's insane now that we just have it at a push of a button. Yeah. And, and it's, we become so spoiled that things like louder commercials on, on Hulu, is what we complain about, you know, mm-hmm. and I complain about all kinds of just nonsense too. 
It's like, you know, like you were saying earlier, if I can't find the brand on YouTube that I'm specifically looking for, it's like a, it's a nuisance. Like, well, YouTube really dropped the ball on this one. Thanks a lot, YouTube. <laughs> you know, <laughs> we become so spoiled that things like hunting for our food and, and making sure that, you know, we have shelter before the next cold season. It's not even on our radar, man. You know, it's, it's crazy. Funny. I just hope. You know, what's funny too is it's not even YouTube's fault. It's like just the fact that nobody uploaded that exact video to YouTube. <laughs> yeah, but you, you can't go around just blaming everybody. You've got to centralize sure, your are, anger. Are you sure? I don't yeah, think no. you know how life works. I no, I mean, I don't I think know, you know, know how people work. <laughs> it's not even, you're not even mad at, I mean, who are you going to blame for not uploading this particular thing? So I like to like try and, you know, be able to define my anger and so i blame the technology that's bringing this information to me or not bringing it to you very good that's right (laughs) so um i I was trying man talking about that there was a song lyric that came into my head and i can't remember it now it was just on the tip of my brain tongue i wish i could have because it was uh who was it yeah and i I can't remember oh okay my my mind's in podcast mode right now if i try to do that it, it yeah, I was hoping it would just come to me, but it doesn't. My, my brain works like that sometimes. I have some trouble compartmentalizing uh, when I'm on a certain path to try and my recall. It, it's all to do with my recall. Very strange, but I digress. You know, a lot of the times we get into what we call definitive thinking, what you and I have kind of termed definitive thinking, and it it tries to bottleneck us into one way of thinking or another, you know. And we could think, a lot of us have thought, I have thought, and I know a lot of older people than me think that you can't like teach an old dog new tricks per se. There's, there's a lot of, it's an old saying, there's a lot of people out there like that. With the proliferation of technology and, and YouTube in particular, things like that, you can teach an old dog new tricks. Yeah. You, you can, you can learn to fix a washing machine. You can learn to to winterize your camper. You can learn to build a wall. Yeah, but isn't like that term is a little more deeper than that though too, right? Like you can't teach an old dog new tricks. It's more about like there's a certain way that people do things and they don't want to change their ways, right? Isn't that what you would consider? You can't teach an old dog new tricks? Like kind of like a hard-headed thing. Like this is the way I've always done this. I'm not going to change my ways. So that's what they kind of mean by that. I, I think I think in, in a broad term, yeah, I think it could mean all the above, uh, because I've heard people say it with more of a, just the casual definition that I was mentioning. Just that, well, I've I've never fixed a washing machine, and I'm too old to learn how to now. I've I've actually heard people say that. Okay. Right? Okay. And and so teaching an old dog new tricks is just it is a matter of being set in your ways, though. And you're right, though, in in a broad sense, that is. That's also it encapsulates things like, let's say, political ideology. You know, um, you can't teach someone or, or they they become so set in their ways that they're not willing to look at other sides. They're not willing to listen. And that's a big problem that we have in societies today. Right. Mm-hmm. We are so polarized according to our our, our political affiliation that we it, it becomes part of a, a thinking problem. I'm going to go ahead and just put it that way that we have. And the powers that be, quote unquote, are they, they utilize that 
they they um, they capitalize on the fact that they can separate people, and it's the old divide and conquer routine. And we all, because we are old dogs trying not to learn new tricks per se, then we become uh, polarized ourselves, and we polarize ourselves from each other depending on what political ideology that we want to uh, you know prescribe to. Right. I mean, I've seen I've seen that kind of thing happen in you know, businesses and things like that too, where you have higher ups who have been doing this for uh, the longest time. And this is what they, at least at one time worked and they don't want to give that up. You know, when you can bring in newer eyes, maybe younger eyes that may find, you know, have a better way of doing things, but the older generation doesn't want to give that up because that's not the way we've always done things, you know? Yeah, no, totally. I agree. And because... Let's go back to doctors for a minute. I about, I don't know, maybe 10 years ago, maybe, maybe even a little bit more around that time though. I realized through experience that I prefer younger doctors than I do older doctors. And it was all based off of the younger doctor that I had started to see then first younger doctor I've ever seen in my life, because, you know, of course I was so young at one point in time, everybody was older. If you're a doctor. But I, I had seen older doctors before, and I had always assumed that, you know, the, the wisdom of being around for a long time, they've been in practice for a while, unless they had like this reputation for killing a bunch of people or, or just bad prescriptions or whatever, then I just assumed that that was the guy that I or, or lady that I wanted to see. As I got older, about 10 years ago, that's when I started getting older, I <laughs> saw I saw this young guy. I saw this younger doctor and his approach was so fresh. It's like they use this person centered approach now, which is a, a derivative. As far as I know, I'm sure, you know, med school has their own, maybe their own track for this, but in my field, it's, it's a person centered approach to counseling or psychology. And that approach is where you don't, the, your wisdom and, and your expertise is a tool, but it's not the most important thing in the room. The most important thing is the other person, the patient. Right. And, and, and your wisdom, your expertise is important because otherwise I just go see anybody who has good social skills, but I need some medical advice here or I need a, a certain you know, medication or something. So that, that skill is important, but they would actually like talk to you like a person. You know, they would actually like and they would consider you as the whole person, the holistic approach. And and so they it was actually somebody I could sit down and, and like chat with and talk to. And, and I didn't feel like I was just in a room with some some dude or lady with cold hands when they put their stethoscope up to my chest or whatever that was so disconnected from me. And it was important that 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 change happened in the medical field. Cause now I only see younger doctors. Some of them nowadays are actually younger than me, which is interesting. Right. Yeah. Um, it's to me what I've seen. Um, and I haven't seen it lately, but I have seen like going to the doctor can be rough too, because of how many people they are trying to see in a day. And I've been in a doctor's office where you can tell that they're basically out of breath when they come in your room and you can tell that, like you, it almost makes you feel like you're a burden on them by trying to take the time to explain everything that you've got going on for them to diagnose what you have because they have to get to the next person. So they're trying to do these things as fast as they can. 
And I, I've seen that happen before. And it you just don't feel like you're getting what you're saying. You're not getting that full attention from them. They're just there to diagnose whatever you got and get out the door. Uh, luckily, I've got a doctor now, like a primary that I go to, mainly only go to like once a year unless I have an issue, just kind of get blood work done and stuff like that, just to make sure that I'm on the up and up. But um, she is really good about, you know, taking the time to sit and listen to all the issues you've got going on and all that kind of stuff and, you know, kind of making you feel like you are important for being there, not just another patient that you've got to get through to get to the next. Yeah, definitely. And another way that like getting over myself and, and broadening my horizons on this particular subject is how, you know, at first I didn't want to see a nurse practitioner, you know, because this was a person who wasn't a doctor, but was standing in for the doctor to do what the doctor typically does. Mm-hmm. Uh, nowadays, I have also learned that nurse practitioners are even more personable in my opinion, you know, in my experience than a lot of doctors are, you know, because they, I don't know, they aren't doctors and uh, the doctor's workloads, like you mentioned, are super heavy. It's almost like an assembly line that you're you're put up on the belt and, you know, they see you next and you just keep rolling down and you roll to build it to billing uh, so they can get your information. Right. And uh, nurse practitioner practitioners are just a little bit more personal or more personable and, and personal. They just they just have a good social skill uh, warmness about them. And it's very refreshing. To be able, since I have to go to that awful place called the doctor's office and sometimes the hospital. But don't you, you know, I mean, this may be a newfound thing for you, as you say, but like if you call the doctor and you say, the call the doctor's office and you're trying to schedule an appointment, let's say, like, can I set up anything next week? No, the doctor doesn't have anything available next week, but can you, you, do you want to see the nurse practitioner instead? Have you, have you gotten that before? Does that give you like just the feeling of, maybe the nurse practitioner isn't as good as the doctor. Like this is like a, well, I can't get into the doctor, but so now I got to get, I just have to take what I can get. And I know that sounds really bad and I don't feel that way. I'm just saying that that's almost how that conversation makes you feel. It's like, well, the guy you want to see is not here, but I can give you this guy instead or this woman either way. Yeah. Yeah. I know what you're saying. I, I don't have anything to back this up. Just an idea though. I think that perhaps it's because a lot of people would say, no, I want to see the doctor. So I don't think it's because necessarily it's their second choice. I think it's because they assume it's maybe yours. And and since you scheduled or are trying to schedule with this particular person, they want to let you know that's not going to happen until like, you know, months down the road or whatever. Right. But you can see this person. Uh, I know it's not the doctor, but. And that nurse practitioner works under that doctor. And so that's the, you know, the, the, the procedure, the process is that that nurse practitioner still relates all your information to the doctor. They have, you know, they staff all these things. Mm-hmm. And so when they go and they say, well, you know, this, this, and this was the, uh, uh, the, the symptoms, you know, diagnosed with this. And this was the prescription that I, that I prescribed. And the doctor's like, yep, looks good. You did a good job. Or he's like, Oh crap. Call that person back. Right. Uh, which has never happened that I know of <laughs> where the doctor's like, you just completely like this person's <laughs> going to grow a tail. Look what you've done. So I, I don't think it's, you know, that, you know, mistakes are going to happen. Doctors make mistakes, but right. I think most of the time that these nurse practitioners, practitioners in my uh, experience, not just as a patient, but also working with like psychiatric nurse practitioners, 
one of the, there's a, there's a psych MP that I work with pretty closely and I would prefer that person. I prefer working with that person. And I would prefer like if, if I needed to be seen for psychiatric purposes, I would rather see him than any psychiatrist I've ever, ever dealt with. Right. So I, you know, when I go into the doctor's office nowadays, I know enough to kind of, I understand that it's not, it's individualized, you know? Um, So I, I assess the person as a patient or as a, you know, somebody that I'm working with, well, collaborating see, with. I mean, that's an issue that I've co- that I've actually come across too. In the past year, I went into a doctor. Um, my primary wasn't in, so I ended up going to another doctor because I had some issues going on. And she, fe- so as you said, you know, I kind of know. I'm not saying I'm I'm smart by any means, but I'm I, I know a little more than the average person about like terms and stuff to use on what I think could be going on when I go in there. Now in mm-hmm. my head, I'm thinking, well, this could ease the burden on them to tell them, hey, I think this is what's going on. Can you just give me the medication for it or whatever that situation is? Well, this doctor took it as it's literally said this to me. Uh, I'm assuming you just Googled that. And that's not what's going on. Why would you say that to a patient? I understand that that's a thing. And I understand that some people do that. They Google and they freak themselves out because you, you know, you think you got cancer when you, you know, and it's actually just a tummy ache or something. I understand that. And you go in there and you're freaking out. But I was not like freaking out about anything. I just told her, listen, you know, I, this is the issues that I think that I have going on. And this is what I think it could be. And she just told me. I'm sure you just Googled that. I don't think that's what this is. I'm like, Jesus, that's like, you just demeaned me for no reason. It was condescending. Yeah. Even if she was right, her approach was completely condescending. Right. How how dare you Google something and then talk to a doctor about it? Did you not see the degree on my wall? Right. Jackass. (laughs) Um, And that's what I'm talking about because from that experience, I would not see that lady anymore. Yeah. And I, I haven't, I have another experience myself where I, we, I had a little issue going on. We couldn't find out. He, he we did some tests, did labs, uh, nothing was, was hitting, which was a good thing, but the issue persisted. You know, I, I was glad that the lab showed I didn't have anything severely wrong, but I needed to figure out what was causing my symptoms and so I did a little research and nowadays doctors, you can uh, like, they have portals, the, the doctor's offices have portals that you can communicate and, and they show your lab results and all that good stuff. And so I communicated with him. I was like, Hey doc, do you think maybe this is the case? And he's like, well, let's, let's try it because it was just a, a, a one-time uh, ordeal that he can prescribe me a, a medicine and see if it cleared up. Bam, it happened. And not only was it cool that it cleared up for me and that things were cool, but it also is the case that uh, he was open. That was the biggest thing. He didn't just shut me down and say, look, are you Googling stuff again, James? (laughs) You know, we've been through this, son. Right. Uh, No, he's never spoken to me like that. And that's why I continue to go back to him because he's not a condescending character. He's very personable and he's a nurse practitioner. And I would rather see him than a lot of the doctors that I've actually, you know, that I've worked with. And so I, that's what I need in my life. Someone who is going to listen and try to work things out and do the best they can. And he'll, he also tells me he doesn't know. Sometimes he's like, I don't know. I don't, I don't know what it is because your labs are showing this and you know, your symptoms were persisting. So 
you know, let's let's just see what happens or let's try this. And uh, I just like that openness. I think it's important. Have you been to the doctor recently where you have to use like one of these apps to get your like if you get blood work done and you get you'll get test results back through the app and stuff like that? The doctor will still call you, but it is a I can see how it could be a very anxiety inducing thing because there are a lot of times where you can get blood work done and say like the hospital has to send the blood work off to test it or whatever. You will get the results in that app a lot of times before the doctor will even tell you what the results are. And if there's something positive in that, you are freaking out, especially if you don't know what you're looking at. You know, if it just says you have high levels of this, or you have high levels of this, or it's positive for this or positive for that, you know, you like, and you haven't even talked to the doctor yet. You just know what the results are. That can be very very, uh, have a lot of tension off of that. That is what I was referring to with oh, the portal. It is? Oh, okay. That's okay. exactly, that, okay. that's exactly what that is. You have a portal and it has all your information on there. Gotcha. You get your billing information, but you also get your diagnoses, you get your labs. And yes, I've been through that. I've seen where my labs come in and it shows high in something or out of normal range or whatever. And so I go to hit Google, you know, and, and lo and behold, I've got leprosy and I only have two days to live. <laughs> You know, so it's very anxiety provoking. And so, and so that's, I, I, and I get the call from, it's not even the the nurse practitioner in my case, but I I still climb doc. Uh, It's not even from doc. It's from, you know, one of his people, one of Mm -hmm. his uh, assistants there. And like, look, I noticed that uh, this lab showed this and this, and uh, that's got me kind of spooked. What's going on? I was like, am I going to die? Is this it? And she's like, she let me talk to the doctor and find out for you. And so she goes to talk to him and she's like, no, he, he said, that's nothing to worry about. He's like, that, that is the normal limit there. Even if you're a little bit out of that, she's like, that's it's it, the lab is kind of insignificant unless it's way, way like out of normal limits. Right. So I'm like, Oh good. Cause Google said that I, I didn't, I wasn't going to make it. You know? <laughs> Dr. Google's an asshole sometimes. I, I, he is dude. <laughs> so cold he's not personable at all so this definitive thinking let's go through some of that really quickly because we are running short on time and i I wanted to i I know i've mentioned cognitive distortions on the show before and you know there's a reason why you and i started talking about definitive thinking so in other words basically what we're talking about is hard-headedness in a sense or just the lack of being able to to be uh dialectical The, the lack of being able to see two sides to something the, the lack of empathy, the, the lack of understanding that not everybody sees things the way that you see things or the, ways that, the way that I see things, but the fact that their, their opinion is based off their experience and, and is still important to listen to, even if you disagree with it. We have such a lack of that nowadays, and that's where the, the real, via social media, of course, you and I started talking about this definitive thinking, well, this is the right answer, and, and that's just it. There is no other right answer, and you can't convince me otherwise to the extent that they won't even listen to the, to any other sides of, of the, you know, the information or the opinions or whatever. So I wanted to, to touch on some of these really quickly, these um, cognitive distortions. These are otherwise known as unhelpful thinking styles. And unfortunately I, I, I thought I had this down as polished as I could, but now I realize I got to come back to this screen to share it. So um, because it won't let me share from my, my other view there. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to go ahead and share this screen and then we'll just, we'll just talk about it and see how it goes. Okay. Um, 
And for those of you just listening, I am showing some slides, which if you're if you're not start checking out our YouTube channel, uh, we're working. It's still a little rough, but we're getting to the point to where we can start showing some visuals uh, for one thing to, to reference. Because, so it's not just us uh, talking out of our, you know, our own asses, which does happen for me sometimes. <laughs> but um, but it's also something to look at because some people are visual learners or, or they take things in better in a visual manner. So. Um, this is this is how we're going to start things right here, and it is this is just my little beginning slide here. It's definitive thinking is the enemy of critical thinking. That's my own quote there, Colt. What do you think of that? I like it. Okay, perfect. Let me go on to the next one here. This is our first unhelpful thinking style, and it's all or nothing thinking. Okay, so thinking in absolutes such as always, never, or every. So in other words, that's when we say things like always, uh, something is always this way. Like this person is always such a jerk, you know, and the way that we can combat these things is by really using common sense. And we have to do this because these are oftentimes automatic in our brains. Okay. And one of the reasons why I wanted to show these, and I may talk about it again in a little more depth in a, in a future, a future show, because I, I, what I would like to do, and this has always been kind of my idea for what being cerebral in this day and age means. It means being able to sit and listen to the other side. Well, I can't do that if I feel like the, the Republicans are always wrong. Everything that they believe in is always evil or the Democrats are always evil. They're, they're always wrong about every issue. And so I have to uh, I have to be able to consider other points. So hold on just a second. So I need you to go away. I'm, I'm doing a podcast. Thank you. I'll get you just a minute. Sorry about that. It has a little bit of a guest there for a minute, <laughs> un, unintended guest. Um, and, and so what I want to do is try, if I could reach one, two, 10, 100 people to help them to be able to navigate in today's day and age, especially with the, the polarization that's on social media and the polarization that's in our political processes, just to start using some, some well, let, let's not, let's say not using some of these cognitive distortions when um, when surveying what's in front of them uh, in, in politics in, uh, as well as their everyday lives. The next one here is disqualifying the positive, which means we're only recognizing the negative aspects of a situation while ignoring the positive. And this happens all the time as well. You know, we, we don't take time. We do this in our own lives or we do it to somebody else. Like you may only notice that your, your spouse um, you disqualify any of the positive they do and only highlight the negative things that get on your nerves, you know, and we could do that with people on social media. You know, we can, we can do this with our politicians as well. And realizing that I have so much against politicians, uh, I'm still trying to find the positive things about it. I'm still looking for a silver lining in almost everything. And well, God help me. I hope I can find it to go with that too. Like we've talked about it in the past, I think as far as like being in a workplace, you know, you, you've seen a lot of managers and bosses in different places that we've worked where they only, you know, you can do the same thing and be great all, you know, all year round. But whenever you do something wrong on accident or something, that's what, that's where the, you know, conversations come in. It's not, oh, you did a great job or you, you know, you always do a great job. It's always, well, why did you do this? You know, it's always the negative that you think about, not the positive. And that's really what tears people down. It does. And we talk about this a lot in my industry too, because, you know, we catch a lot of people with psychiatric conditions, they have mental health conditions and they're in a program to try to help them to reintegrate back into the community. So in a sense, they're under a microscope. 
by the nature of what we do. But we always try to encourage our staff to, you know, don't just notice that this person has poor coping skills. Also note when they're doing well. Also note that, yeah, they may have had an anger outburst you know, last week, but, but last month they had like the six per week. And so they're doing much better. You know, you got, you really, we can't just qualify the, the negative. We also have to qualify the positive. Also something to think about that too, is like with children, you know, your children, it's very, very important to not just, you know, focus on disciplining them when they have, when they're doing something wrong, but also, you know, pushing them and saying you're proud of them and things along that line when they're doing something great or doing something well. You got it. Employees, same way Yeah, with, with your staff, you know, uh, and little things. It doesn't have to be, you know, they didn't have to like save the day and, and, and save 100 man hours because they caught something quickly. Mm-hmm. Uh, it could be just something small. We, we should be looking, looking around and in our personal lives and in our like virtual lives, you know, look, look for positive things and try to promote that because you're going to get the, the better out of people when you all, when you qualify that positive stuff, the little stuff. Well, thank you for, for, you know, for doing that little thing that nobody else probably noticed, but I noticed, I just wanted to tell you, thank you. Cause that's going to carry on mm-hmm. that positivity also spreads just like negativity can. Um, so next we have overgeneralization. And this is making broad interpretations from a single or a few events, you know, and so we overgeneralize things uh, and something might be like, you know, something might be going on in your life and you got to do this thing, but you make a mistake. And so you're like, I always make mistakes. You know, it, it happens to me all the time. Um, or, or just because maybe an even better example might be that, you know, because one person from the opposite party that you uh, that you uh, affiliate with, uh, they might be a real jerk and a real evil person and they do illegal things. But does that mean the entire party falls in line with that? You know, um, don't get me wrong. Politicians are, in my opinion, most of them are crooked, but <laughs> I, I, I'm looking for this silver lining though. And, and the, the thing is, if I'm looking for it, I'm going to, I'm going to find little, I'm going to find more positivity in life in general. And so we get caught in a rut when we definitively think that we already can overgeneralize everybody. And maybe it's something cultural or racial, you know, because I've had a problem with one person who happened to be Chinese. Now I think that all Chinese are terrible people. And that's not the case. <laughs> it's, not the, it's not the case with anybody, you know. Um, I, so I, I, we, I tend to think that all Chinese people or are all Never mind. I'm not going to say that. Go ahead. (laughs) (laughs) I was going to, I was going to make a a Jackie Chan reference. Okay. And I think you knew where I would go with that, but. Well, I I was going to say, I think it's, I think it's safe to say that, you know, it's for a lot of people, they think all Chinese people are like good at karate. Yeah. That that they're masters of the martial arts. Yeah. And it's not the case, (laughs) you know, it's just not (laughs) the case. And I, I think overgeneralizing, especially with cultural differences and racial differences, is probably some of the most, common overgeneralizing aspects of our lives just in general as people. And it comes from, it it has an evolutionary origin. You know, we, we were careful of the others because those others might try to um, come in on our camp. They might try to infiltrate our tribe and kill us and take our resources. And so that evolutionary basis was there for a reason, but 
as we evolve and we come into more of a conscious awareness of us being one race as humans, we're trying to unwind a lot of that. But once again, these thoughts that come into our minds are in large part automatic. And so we, we have the, we can be cognizant of them now and we have the awareness to be able to counter counterthink them mm-hmm. in a sense. So mind reading, this is a big one here now, interpreting the thoughts and beliefs of others without adequate evidence. Okay. So this is something that's been hitting a lot lately with, let me give you an example, social media. Once again, uh, who uh, Matthew McConaughey now has made it, made it public that he doesn't want to vaccinate his kids, his school-age kids. Okay. So what do you think people are saying? Well, you don't care about kids. You don't care okay. about other people's okay. kids. Okay. You don't, you don't care about your kids. You don't care about anything because you're not willing to vaccinate them. Okay. So they're, they're reading his mind based off of their own bias, their, their own confirmation bias that if you don't vaccinate or if you don't vaccinate your children, you don't care about other people getting COVID you, and you want them to die. That you, you must want them to die. And it's one of the most annoying things that I see out there with all this COVID. It's, it's okay to have fear. It's natural. It's okay to have doubts. That's natural. It's okay to have differing opinions. That's natural. But it's a cognitive distortion, and it's inaccurate to, to think you already know what that person is thinking because they don't do this or they do do this, right? Yeah. Um, it, it's a mistake. It, it's not just, it doesn't just go against like my belief system. It's just an inaccurate and inadequate way to think about things because you have no clue what that person's actually thinking. You, you say you do and you think you do, but you really don't. So and if then, you want to follow the science, follow that science. And then on social media, it makes it even worse too, because if you, you have enough people who are, t- who are saying Matthew McConaughey doesn't care about other people's kids and other people's families because he won't vaccinate his kids. And now that's like out on social media and it probably makes it far enough to where people are saying that Matthew McConaughey has stated that he doesn't care about other people's kids. You know what I'm saying? Like that's how, that's how it travels on social media. So something, somebody's, uh, one person's thoughts that they put out on social media to other people can become what people think of someone and what some what they people they think of other people's beliefs. Yeah. Yeah. It spreads like wildfire. Mm-hmm. And, and just because I read it on social media now, it's true. Mm-hmm. You know, once yeah. again, that, that, that confirmation bias that we're constantly chasing. So um, lastly, we have emotional reasoning. Uh, this is, this goes hand in hand with this too. And I use that, that uh, vaccination Matthew McConaughey example, because it's just so pervasive right now, everywhere you go, the whole vaccination COVID talk, but emotional reasoning is another big one we can use with kind of the same example, the assumption that emotions reflect the way things really are. So in other words, just because I, I feel a certain way, then it must be true. So I feel like you don't care about people. I feel like, you know, the world's going to end. I feel like nobody likes me. I feel like whatever, so therefore, it must be true because our emotions are a powerful force within us. And they have a lot of evolutionary uh, explanation backing them up. They have a lot of benefit to us today. But as anyone knows, if you've done any thought about emotional emotions whatsoever, you know that uh, emotions can also be like they can cause you to be a train wreck. They can cause you a lot of trouble in life. Mm-hmm. Overwhelming emotions is something we deal with a lot in mental health. 
And if you emotionally reason everything about you, if you only go on your emotions and you don't have that balance between emotion and um, intellect, then life's pretty hard for you because emotions are a roller coaster. Yeah. And especially nowadays, if you, if you follow anything that's going on in life, uh, you're going to be an emotional wreck. Mm-hmm. So, so that is my rundown of our um, cognitive distortions for today. And the definitive thinking that you and I were discussing and that we discussed here a little bit today is based on a lot of these unhelpful thinking styles that I just showed. Um, they, because we, we emotionally reason things, it causes us to, well, since I feel it so strongly in my mind, it must be true. And the only real way to undo that is to first notice it, think about it, and then try to uh, reason, try to use common sense and, and a balance in your life between emotions and intellect. And we can do this with all of these cognitive distortions. We notice them then we can counterthink them and try to do better. Right. And not always using that first thought, like we talked about in the last episode too, you know, choosing the thought that you want to use just because you automatically think something doesn't necessarily mean that that has to be the thought that you lead with. You can choose what one you want to use. That's right. We have the ability to choose one thought over another. Right. So having said that, um, I'm having thoughts that it's about time for us to close this down. Uh-huh. We have we have an appointment at the gym today. We do. It happens to be leg day. Um, and just because I feel like it's probably going to kill me, like I'm going to die, that doesn't actually make it so. I'm using I'm using emotional reasoning there, but I'm counterthinking that because I noticed that cognitive distortion that I used. Yeah, but I don't know if it's accurate. We might die. <laughs> <laughs> We, we, we might, but we don't have any evidence to support it yet. yet. I mean, if, if we yeah. don't put any more podcasts out and nobody hears from us anymore, that's what happened. We died. <laughs> we <Yeah>. died. <laughs> All right, man. Good stuff. Yeah. See you in a bit. Yeah. Thanks again to you, the CEP listener. Remember that word of mouth feels like a long day of free thinking for us. So don't forget to tell your friends and fam about the great variety that you hear right here on the CEP. Subscribe to our show on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, YouTube, or wherever you consume the podcast that you hold near and dear to your heart. And be sure to visit the new and improved launching pad for all things cerebral at thecepodcast.com. And of course, if you need to contact us, you can do that at cerebral at thecepodcast.com. Go to Buy Jack. Pick up some CEP Network merch. You're going to love it. It looks great. And so that's all I've got this time around, folks. So until next time, uh, you know the drill, man. Be sure to keep those big, beautiful brands of yours nice and warm out there. See ya.